The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. In the middle part of the 1930s, there was kind of a, a meteorological phenomenon that happened down in the south about the panhandle of Oklahoma. It was called the Dust Bowl. Maybe you've heard of the Dust Bowl. There was a problem that happened because the farmers had come into the area without really knowing the climate, and so they dug up all the dirt, killed all of the, the plants that were there, and windstorms came along and picked up the dust and scattered it all around so that it was occasionally, occasionally with those dust storms, as dark as night, as dark as midnight. There are these first-hand accounts of what it was like to be there during that time. One account comes late in the season, in the spring, as the days are growing longer, as Easter is approaching, as the light is shining and there's some hope for the future. The folks down there in April of 1935 were thinking that things were okay and so they went out about their business. The dust had settled down a little bit and then all of a sudden they look and out on the horizon here's this storm coming, this dust cloud coming, hundreds of feet tall, barreling along at 55 miles an hour and when it reaches you, when it reaches you, the darkness is thick. So dark that you can feel it even. So dark that you can't see two feet in front of you. So dark that it is like midnight. Here's how one person described that experience. People caught in their own yards grope for the doorstep. Cars come to a standstill for no light in the world can penetrate that swirly murk. The nightmare is deepest during the storms. 
But on the occasional bright day and the usual gray day, we cannot shake from it. We live with the dust, eat it, sleep with it, watch it strip us of our possessions and the hope of possessions. It is becoming real. The poetic uplift of spring fades into a phantom of storied past. The nightmare, the nightmare is becoming life. What a dreadful description of a terrible, dreadful time. Woody Guthrie wrote a song about it, in fact, in which he said, this cloud came and fell across our city like a curtain of black rolled down. We thought it was our judgment, he said. We thought it was our judgment. We thought it was our doom. The darkness was so thick and so pervasive. There was no escaping from it. In fact, the stories describe how as the cloud was coming along, they could see the dust billowing across the prairie, and there there were birds trying to keep ahead of it. But they couldn't. They couldn't outrun it. The best you could do, the best you could hope for, was to go into your house as the light, as the light went out. Of course, there is kind of a strange irony about this problem, and that is that it was caused by people. The darkness was only there because of things that people had done. It was trouble that they themselves had brought upon themselves. That kind of darkness really is, I think, here in Minnesota, unimaginable. Even in the worst of blizzards, even like yesterday, you could still see because there's light. Maybe you can't see very far in front of you, but it's not bringing you to the point of despair because there is yet light. It's really kind of unimaginable what that kind of darkness would be like. But in fact, there is no need for us to try to imagine it. There is no need for us to try to imagine that kind of darkness because it is very real for us as well. Not physical darkness, not putting out the light of day, but a different kind of darkness. The darkness that is described by Isaiah in our Old Testament lesson. You heard what he said. The people, the people who walked in darkness, those are the people this day is for. The people who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. Those are the people for whom Christmas is most important. That darkness that Isaiah is describing is no less real than the darkness of a dust cloud. In fact, it's more real. It's harder to see our way out of it. There is no escaping it. It can be felt. It can be felt in our bones. This spiritual darkness that plagues this world. If you think that 2020 is a bad year, it's really no different than any other because the darkness, the darkness that is in this world has not changed. And you can feel it. You can feel it in these ways. You can feel that darkness every time you feel guilty. Every time you've know, you know you've done something that you should not have done. Every time your conscience afflicts you, you can feel the darkness. Every time your relationships are strained or broken because of sin, you can feel the darkness. Every time you are in sorrow because of some tragedy or in grief out of which you cannot escape, you can feel the darkness. And at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, there, there is the darkness. What everybody is waiting for. The darkness of a grave closed, a grave which does not release anybody. Now the thing is, this darkness which I'm describing to you, which we feel in our bones, is actually worse than we imagine. It's even worse than we imagine. We have a way of growing accustomed to this darkness. It's kind of like if you lived in a place where it was always dim, or imagine living way up north where it is dark half of the year, you grow accustomed to it. You find ways to accommodate yourself to that darkness. And so, in fact, the darkness is far deeper even than we realize. 
I think actually that description of the Dust Bowl of that, that, uh, that Sunday in April 1935, that description is very apt when it comes to sin. Imagine it this way. We live, we live with the sin. We eat it, we sleep it, we watch it strip us of our possessions and the hope of possessions it is real. The poetic uplift of spring fades into a phantom of story past the nightmare. The nightmare of sin and death is life. It's life. Now, if you're a little bit disappointed that you came to church to be listening to someone so gloomy on Christmas Eve, bear with me. This is very important. It's important that this be the stage that is set for what comes next. Because it is that darkness and that gloom and that nightmare into which Jesus was born. A darkness deeper than you and I can imagine. A darkness deeper than you and I even know. That is what Jesus was born into. This is what Isaiah said. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. This light is brighter and more radiant than the sun. Brighter than anything you can imagine. The gospel writers tell us that as Jesus is standing on the Mount of Transfiguration in his glory, his clothes are whiter and brighter than any person could make them by bleaching them. They are so white and so glorious. In fact, the light of Jesus is so astounding that it knocks people over. As St. Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, he falls off his donkey. He can't bear the light. And as Jesus comes out of the tomb, the soldiers that guarded the tomb are struck to the ground. They cannot endure it. It is so bright. What is that light for? It is not to shock us. It is not to terrify us. In fact, this is the message the angels bring. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That same brightness, that glory of God's goodness and mercy and salvation. And they were filled with fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. For people who have become accustomed to the darkness, this kind of light is unbearable. And that is why we need to hear time and again from God, fear not. This light that shines into the world, that shines into your hearts, that illuminates the darkness, that scatters the darkness, that light is here to save you, to rescue you from every one of those ways that you can feel the darkness, from your own guilt, from your pangs of conscience, from everything that you have done, every last thing that you have done in your life of which you are not proud, of which you are afraid what God will say to you on the last day, every last thing that you have brought here into this place, that is why Jesus has come into the world. That is what his light has come to eradicate. It is gone. It is gone in Christ Jesus. No guilt, no shame, no sorrow, no tears. The darkness that Christ has come to remove from this world is the darkness with which we cry when we see our loved ones suffering and passing away. That is what he has come to save us from. That is what he has come to cure. That is what he has come to give us at the end of the day, at the end of our lives. As we face what the world sees with uncertainty, an open grave, what way out of there is there? What way out of a grave is there? As we face that grave, as we face that darkness, that uncertainty that the world perceives, we know, we can see, because we have light. A light that shines in every place. A light that no darkness, no darkness can overcome. Jesus has come to end the nightmare. 
He has come to end the long days of suffering, the long days of sorrow and grief. It's like, finally, at long last, the dust settling and rain coming and the dryness is gone and the winds are calm and now life is good. That is what Jesus has come to bring. That is the light that shines on you and on me, we who have lived in a land of darkness. Think of what that means for Jesus to be born into this kind of a nightmare, into this kind of a land of darkness. What does it mean? Why would he ever do that? Why would he voluntarily go from the throne of God, the right hand of God, from eternal glory? Why would he do that? Come from that place to live with you and to live with me. Why would he do that? Take on human flesh, mortal flesh. Why would he suffer and die? God himself, who did not need to die. God himself, who never should suffer. Why would he do that? The answer is an answer that you know very well. But it bears repeating time and again because this world would try to rob us of that answer. And it is this. Christ came into the world, entering into this nightmare, into this darkness, because he loves you. In fact, if you, individually, were the only person in this world, he would have done it for you. His love for you is beyond comprehension. It is beyond imagination, and it is just what you need in this life, for right now and for eternity. He did it because he loves you. He did it because he has seen everything that troubles you. From beginning to end, he has seen every trouble and worry of your life, every bit of suffering that you have endured. He has seen it, and his heart is moved to compassion, and so he came to rescue you because he wants you to share in his light. He does not want you to remain in darkness. He does not want you to lie in the grave forever. He wants you to live. That is why we celebrate that is why we celebrate, especially on a day like this. In the middle of winter, we've turned the corner. The days are getting longer. The light is lengthening. But still, we have a long way to go. Yet here, in the middle of winter, right now, we have a light shining among us, the light of Jesus, that is brighter than any darkness, that casts every darkness away so that it cannot return. So whoever you are, whoever you are, wherever you have come from, whatever you have done, however you feel about yourself, or about Jesus, know this. That light is for you. If you're hearing these words, that light is for you. Do not doubt, but believe. Today is the day that that storm has passed, that the nightmare is over, that no longer does the darkness threaten us. Today is the day that light has shined on us. This is what St. Paul says in Romans. You know the time. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep, Paul says. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and thank God. Let us live lives of repentance and faith, knowing what he has done for us, that he has come to rescue us. He has promised it, and he will surely do it. Merry Christmas. To him alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>